Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and it's Dallas week as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 212. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I sit down with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell to talk about what we saw with the tape after the team's loss on the road to Minnesota. What did we learn from the loss against the Vikings? We'll talk about it right here in Chalk Talk, and then we will preview this weekend's big NFC East match. Matchup Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. A lot to get into at the top of the show. After that, we will transition to my scouting report where I will break down what I thought of Dallas Cowboys starting safety Xavier Woods a few years ago, 2017, when he was coming out of Louisiana Tech. He's turned into a nice player there on the back end of that Dallas defense. But first, let's get things started right now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, joining us here once again on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, uh, welcome to week seven of the 2019 season. Week seven. Can you believe it, Fran? Well, that's what I was hearing. Gre- Gre- uh, ben Fennell said earlier, he's like, oh, week eight. And I was like, week eight? And he was like, of college football. I was like, it's week eight of college football. I know, it's, it's crazy. It's wild how quickly. A couple of good uh, college games, by. though, this weekend. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that yeah, in yeah. a different podcast, all right, all I think, right. this week. But uh, let's get into what we saw uh, from Sunday the Eagles loss on the road to Minnesota. Uh, some takeaways, I think, coming out of that game. A tough loss that, you know, you look at some of the stats and you say, okay, well, this is why the Eagles lose the game. You know, four turnovers, if you include the turnover on downs to the Minnesota's two. You got the penalties. I think it was seven in favor of four. You had some of the untimely, just the the negative plays, this, you know, shoot yourself in the foot kind of plays, um, the self-enforced errors, the self-inflicted wounds that – you know, that, that's what causes teams to lose games, especially on the road to good teams. Um, but let, let's start on offense. And uh, to me, the biggest thing I think, you know, we talked about it last week on the show, is against this Minnesota defense, you do not want to get stuck in third and, and long. And I think the stats kind of played to that. You know, the Eagles were uh, 4 for 12 overall on third down. They were 0 for 5 on third and 4 plus. Yeah, and I think to me, if you're putting this particular game into somewhat of a larger context, I think it's an offense, particularly without Deshaun Jackson, and hopefully yeah. he gets back soon. Hopefully. So it looks like he's going to be back to kind of practice this week right. and what they're going to work on through conditioning. Doug Peterson talked about it in his Monday press conference. So some reinforcements, hopefully, on the offensive right. side of the ball. But I think without him, and what I'm about to say I don't think is a, is a profound scoop, but there's not really any team speed on the offensive side of the ball, particularly at the receiver position. So it becomes an offense that has to make a lot of little plays to sustain offense. And that's not easy to do. It's very hard to do in the NFL. Yep. And then one misstep, whether it's a run for minus two, whether it's a penalty, whether it's one of very few poor throws that Carson Wentz makes, um, 
puts you in a really difficult spot. I mean, the game starts with their first series after Minnesota goes down and makes it 7 nothing on a drive that took over seven minutes, yep. which is not a good way to start. But right. So you get the ball and you have third and two. You're coming out with the idea that we're going to really try to run the football. We're not going to be one-dimensional. We want to run the ball. And there's a run through by Kendricks. And it looks like the mic point was kind of messed up on the zone run there. That, and what happened is they moved through. late. Yep, the right, Vikings correct. moved late with both Kendricks and Anthony Barr. Yep. And I think there was a, just that moment of confusion at the snap, and that's all it takes. And then you get a stop on third down, and all of a sudden it seems like the quarter is gone and you're behind the eight ball. Yep. So the point I'm making is this is an offense that has literally no margin for error. Yeah. And it just makes it hard to play that way in the NFL. Yeah, and I thought that uh, you got to give a lot of credit to Minnesota's front. I thought that they did a really good job uh, against the run in this game. The Eagles really couldn't kind of establish the run. And they wanted the to. They wanted to. They wanted um, to. You know, and I think when you look at, you know, Doug Peterson was asked about uh, the opening drive in this game, and he said, look, we came out first play. Uh, was supposed to be a play-action shot play. Uh, they saw that it was too high. Basically, you know, he didn't say it's too high, but going looking at the film, it was too high pre-snap. Carson checked out of the play. They checked to a run. He had an RPO that ended up being handed off on second down. Right. And then third down, you had that. It that was third that and was, two. There was third and two. So which uh, you're feeling good about? Yeah, exactly. And and so the Eagles, uh, you know, don't convert there. Right. And they punt the ball away. But I think when you look at the ground game, they couldn't quite get going. I thought that Minnesota did some good things from with their condensed looks. They played uh, a lot in terms of like their bare fronts and things like that, just to kind of make things tough on the inside. Linval Joseph, right. I thought, had his best game of the season. Well, it's funny you say that because I thought the run game was actually okay if you have a pass game that can hit 18-yard, 22-yard mm. plays. But when your pass game can't do that because you just don't have any speed or explosiveness, then it makes it th – then the run game's not quite enough. Yeah. Let's talk about – there's a, a couple things I think I want to hit on before we get uh, to through the rest of the offense. Uh, we're talking about the run game, so let's talk about the right. running backs, and I, I namely about Miles Sanders. Uh, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. They continue to find really good ways to get him out in space. We saw the long touchdown uh, on that very popular play, the HB yeah, scene play. Right, right. Uh, you know, getting him down the rail was, was great to see uh, for a touchdown. They ran it again later in the game. Um, you know, and they found different ways to well, try then and they get ran him the down the field. The, the wheel route from the back, which they seem to run every week, and yep. a lot of teams run it every week. Yep, they had the post right. wheel. They had the running back corner route that he ended up not throwing. Right. He, he was going to be open, but uh, pressure kind of forced right, Wentz. Right. Off of it, uh, so they're finding different ways to kind of get him down the field. So I want to ask you, which is good and bad, because if I'm not mistaken, in the last five games, I believe he's had the longest pass reception in each of the last five games. I think there was a stat. I don't want to say. I think I, didn't, I forget I, exactly who. I want to say it was either Jeff McLean or Ruben Frank. I'm not sure who. Uh, yesterday said that he's responsible. He's got the five longest plays uh, for the Eagles' offense in the last five weeks, or something like this. Since Deshaun has been right. Out. Yeah, and that's good and bad right? for obvious reasons. Sure. right. I think when you look at uh, – but talk about what that can be. And you know, let's just talk big picture. If you have a Miles Sanders who can be that kind of guy for this offense, uh, what can that do? When, especially since we see so many of these, they come with him to the right. boundary side. What does that do from a matchup standpoint? Well, you always love to have a running back that has some verticality because now it presents all kinds of problems, and particularly, as you just said, to the boundary side of the formation. Explain why. Because in the NFL, what normally happens, even when teams play zone as their core, they will often match up to the boundary. They will lock to the boundary. Mm. And what you 
do there is if you have a back that can win those matchups and Alvin Kamara is the best example of that in New Orleans, then it really is advantageous for your offense. Now, the the all-go eight-seam touchdown that they that uh, Carson went through to Sanders was a really fascinating play because they also added the jet action with Aguilar across the formation, which made it four to the boundary, which is really difficult to defend. And they caught Kendricks because Kendricks had to run the seam with Sanders and his eyes went to Aguilar and he lost a step and therefore Sanders ran by him. My favorite part of that was the having the the closed formation there, the the, the two tight ends right on right. the on the Correct. line of scrimmage. Correct. Uh, that kind of brought everything up close to the line. No question. And, and really helped to kind of expand everything. Right. Um, but uh, but when you have a back, just getting back to your general point, that yeah. can do that. You know, you're often going to get man coverage, and normally you're going to feel pretty good with your back on any linebacker in the league. Yep. I think ultimately what we're seeing, uh, you know, and again, you're hoping Deshaun Jackson comes back. If it's this week, if it's next week, whenever it is, Deshaun Jackson comes back into the fold. You have these guys that you can win in these intermediate areas. Right. You know, the Dallas Goddard's, the Zach Ertz's, the Miles Sanders. That can you could find those ways to pick uh, pick defenses apart, find those matchups. If you just have, if you have that vertical threat that can well, you're hoping those intermediate strike. areas become a little larger. Exactly. Because right now the offense, the pass game is somewhat limited and condensed, and the defense knows that. Yeah. Because there's no one who can really run, uh, who can really run by a, a defense. Now they hit, they took two deep shots to Aguilar. Um, one of them was down the sideline. One of them was in the middle of the field, and and I don't know why he slowed down because yeah. it actually would have been a really good throw right if Aguilar if, if he didn't slow down. And yep. I don't know the answer to that. Right. Maybe he thought he wasn't getting the ball because they had two inbreakers on the backside. But Carson Wentz read the 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 post safety sitting low, and if the post safety sitting low, you're throwing the post. Yeah, he put he put it right where you would want no, the deep post. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I thought was was heavily involved yesterday. I'm pretty sure pretty sure that this was a career high for targets for Dallas Goddard. Uh, a lot of creative ways, some different things they did with him off play, off boot action. We right. saw some screens. We saw some different things they were able to do with him out in the flat. Yeah, and that, again, that's all good. Yes, exactly. But it's the same it deal. It to what we're talking it's about. It's the same deal. Screens, you know, little short throws, um, all good stuff. But it's, again, it's all, yep. you know, it keeps it, Keeps it pretty low, yeah. and that's a little difficult. So the uh, one play I would love to be able to break down as well is the the fake field goal because it was <laughs> very, it was very very. I didn't much study discussed. it, Fran, so you you'll know the details. Well, I'll get, so I I'll mean, all I the... can say is, and again, you know, I understand the whole analytics group, and 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 that's all good. But I, when I was watching the game live, here they were dominating the second quarter offensively. They were moving the ball without a problem at that point. Yep. The score, I believe, was 24-10 at the time. I believe that's correct, yep. Okay, so now you're in a position where you kick the field goal, it's 24-13, you're going to get the ball to start the third quarter. You're, as it turned out, they got a touchdown to start the third quarter. You don't know that, but based on the fact that they were moving the ball really effectively, you're thinking, okay, they come out in the third quarter, may, they make this game 24-20. For all intents and purposes, it's 0-0 at that point. Right. And again, you know, I'm sure people will tell me I'm an idiot, but... I 
I didn't understand it. Well, now, so, I know that they're going to say that they saw something and they felt that they had the perfect play. And I know you said you researched it, so you can you can take it from here. Yeah, so well, what I... When I heard the explanation after the game, I said, all right, well, when I get in the morning, when I get in Monday morning, I'm going to go back and I want to see what they saw. So I watched all of Minnesota's uh, field goal block reps just to get a sense, okay, what did they see? More power to you, fam. Uh, look, it, was, it actually wasn't that many. Right, the, right, their right. defense is pretty good. So right, not a lot right, of field right, goal attempts right. against them. Um, typically what you saw was when Minnesota wanted to block a kick, and there's two ways when you line up on field goal block, it's the same thing with punt return, you, either, are, you are either going to go for the block or you're playing safe in case there's a fake or anything like that. So when they go for a block, they would overload one side with right. six defenders. You'd have your safety, Anthony Harris, line up, and we'll say five, six, seven, eight yards off the ball. At the snap of the ball, he would, he would shift right over the overload side, the side of the block. And on the opposite side of the block, you had your wing, which is where Dallas Goddard's lined up, no one would be over to that side. And the corner that was on that side would just kind of drift upfield as if he was ready in case the ball was blocked and was he would be the Right, he would be the guy to pick it up. He would be the guy to pick it up. So they figured they had an Nobody opportunity. Nobody was there to cover right. him up. So to me, uh, you see that time and time and time again. They also telegraphed in the times that they didn't block, if they, weren't, if they were going to play safe, Harrison Smith would be standing up. You'd right. kind of, you kind of get a sense pre-snap, all right, they're, they're not coming on this play. They come out, first field goal. What was that, that 54-yard field goal right. that Elliott hit? That's exactly the look they got. It was overload coming from Elliott's left side. Dallas Goddard's lined up on the right. The the corner on that side, Trey Waynes, he comes soft off the edge. The Harris, Harris slides the other way, wide open on the right side. So that's so they, what they saw so to then come back saw. with this. So that's what they saw and said, okay. there's And this the, time Minnesota didn't do it. I this guess. time they didn't do it. Right. I'll be damned if they they – I don't know if they if they got tipped if they if they just disguised it well whatever it was they played it so perfectly. maybe they baited the Eagles they might have that's not, that's a question that they'd have to answer right. I, all I know is is that I could I could see what they saw I get the decision as well because hey if if Goddard first of all if Goddard catches that the way that they had played that he might score and if not he's going out of the he, he's going to be coached to go out of bounds you've got the ball with 20 seconds left inside the 20 you got a couple shots at the end zone right. to steal a touchdown before right. the end of half. I'm not going to dispute any of that. Yeah, that's uh, you know, so that, that it was. I thought it was interesting. I, I put the breakdown uh, up on Twitter for those that are interested in going and just seeing. You know, the I think you're calling a play. The only thing I would say in response to that is you're calling a play based on having someone who doesn't throw the ball throw the ball. True. And I would say the same about maybe the best play in NFL history, arguably. Oh, the Philly special in the same stadium. Yeah, you can say to that too. But, but you know. I mean, that's the thing is like if you're gonna if for from a fan standpoint like you know the fans will say oh like I don't I don't like the the call to be aggressive well I think when you're when you're aggressive you're gonna get some that's that, what some happens that work and yeah. some, and some, some that work don't. some don't exactly Minnesota they made a play mm -hmm. um, all right let's go to the other side uh, defensively you know the, the the Vikings you mentioned that drive you know and they come the open drive thirteen plays yeah. seventy yards if you're gonna give up points as a defense right. you want to make them earn it you want the drive to look that way. Uh, obviously, you don't like seven minutes going off the clock, well, but you want to make thirteen plays, seventy-five yards, That's almost seven and a half minutes. It's just, it's like what you just said about and they the hit the third offense. and thirteen. That was the critical play, right? It's exactly. on the end breaker to feel on the day. One of two third down conversions on the day for Minnesota. Well, that, both the the long touchdown drives in the second half, I believe, one was seventy-five yards and one was eighty-eight drive, eighty-eight yards. They did not get to a third down. You don't like that. 
No, that's not good. That's not good. So that's a little bit of a problem for your defense. On the post game show uh, after the game, I actually named that as my turning point in the game. Was that seventy five yarder after the the Eagles had made it a four point game uh, in the third quarter? Right. They come down and they stretch it back to eleven. Right. Uh, That was a that was a backbreaker drive. Yeah. Um, But after that, you've got that two play sequence where uh, the the, two digs digs touchdowns. That was what put you in that early hole. You know, Correct. So, you're just, so from a, you know, everyone talks about, oh, start fast, start fast. So from an offensive standpoint, defensively, they haven't started fast either. And in this game, I think that particularly hurt with those two big play uh, drives to digs. So let's talk about those two plays, and, and namely the first one, um, attacking quarters The second coverage. one we can leave alone. It was a blatant bust. It was a busted coverage. It was a, it was a blatant bust. No question. You know, and, and we can watch, the game. look, yep. you and I can watch that play forever and try to figure out each individual secondary player and what their responsibilities might might have been, yep. but the bottom line is it was a bust. It was a busted coverage. So uh, let's break down that first one. The first one. one was a little more interesting. So uh, it's quarters coverage. It, and re- it certainly and looks like quarters coverage. So let's talk, let's talk through why quarters, what quarters is, the strengths. Because every coverage right. has strengths. Every coverage has weaknesses. Every zone coverage. Every zone coverage right. has strengths. Every zone coverage has weaknesses. It's about if you have a play dialed up to attack right. that weakness. So Well, here, so let's walk through it very yes, very quick. Let's please. start with the general premise as to why teams play quarters. Yep. I would say that the Eagles are not a high-percentage quarters defense. But when no. you play a team that plays with a lot of base personnel, including a fullback, one reason you like to play quarters is because your safeties are closer to the line of scrimmage and actually have run responsibilities first before they have pass responsibilities. So you're getting your two safeties in involved in the run game against a really good running team that runs out of base personnel. To put so, it to put it simply, if you are a one gap defense especially, so you're asking right. one player to account for one gap. Correct. When you add in a tight end or a full an extra tight end that, or a fullback. That adds gaps. Like if you would like think Correct. about that you know imagine right. a, a, a fullback coming through the hole, that A gap isn't just an A gap. You've got two gaps there on either side of the fullback right. that must be accounted for. Correct. So so you want to get your safeties involved as ru- as primary run support players. Yep. And so that's one reason you would p- choose to play more quarters and they had played and I don't I didn't chart I didn't the chart number but they on, had no. played a meaningful number of snaps of quarters up until that play. Yep. Now, on that particular play, let's get more specific now. Yes. Let's let's dig in and go micro. Yes. That play they had 21 personnel on the field. Yep, so two backs. You had a fullback right. in the game. And it was straight-eye formation. First and 10. Okay. Looks like a run play. Looks like a run. The tight end was actually split to the field outside the numbers. The far right, yep. Thielen was the slot to the wide side of the field. Also to the right side, right. yep. Diggs was to the left as the boundary X, the single receiver to the short side of the field. Yep, so you had three receivers out wide. You had two okay. backs in the backfield. Okay, now, Rodney McLeod was the quarter safety to the boundary. So closest to Diggs. Closest to Diggs, okay? Now, because there was no first-level receiver other than Diggs to that side, his pass coverage responsibilities almost became not important yep. because what what the a quarter safety is responsible for normally is if there's a second receiver on the line of scrimmage to his side inside of the outside receiver yep so a slot receiver a on slot his side. receiver then the quarter safety is responsible for that receiver who we call number two for what we say two vertical okay yep. there was no two vertical here right so what happened here is they call the play 
It's play action. And McLeod immediately turned away from Diggs and looked inside. Yep. Now, you can teach quarters safeties to play a lot of different ways. It's all about what the rules are. It's all about what your rules are. A lot of coaches will say that if you're a quarter safety and there's no number two threat at all, that your eyes should turn to number one. So instead of looking digs. inside, he was his eyes would go outside Correct. the digs. Okay. Because in quarters coverage, the way corners are normally taught to play is with outside leverage, meaning that the wide receiver, if he runs to the post, you're going to be playing outside of that receiver. In other words, you're essentially giving up the post. You're playing to your help. You're playing Supposed theoretical help. Yeah, help. Theoretical help, yes. Correct. correct. Yep. So when when Rodney McLeod turned inside with no interest in digs, at that point, Rasul Douglas had absolutely no help. Yep. So that's why when we were sitting in our matchup office today watching that play 30 times, we were trying to figure out exactly what Rodney McLeod was doing. And because we don't know the rules and how he's taught, we're not sure. But yes, it definitely looked like quarters. Now, so one possibility and one way that teams will do it is that if they're, and it's tough for us to say, especially if they had an idea, okay, this could be play action, you think you might have Thielen coming at you from the opposite side, is that, because, again, going back to the to the rules there, Malcolm was the safety on the other side, the other quarter safety. He's got Thielen right in front of him. Right, but Thielen ran vertically. Right, so he so attacks that makes, Malcolm. that makes Malcolm responsible for two vertical. Exactly. He can't give that up. So when Thielen starts going across the field, in, those rule, in the rules, the more traditional rules that you talked about, he would run with Thielen. He becomes a man player and runs with them, right? And then McLeod, If McLeod goes to one. If McLeod turns to Diggs. Correct, correct. But in this case, it almost seemed as if Malcolm, okay, I'm going to allow... Thielen to go to McLeod. Right. Does Malcolm And by the way, you can... To, yeah, but then it would have been too late. And by the way, you on. can do just what you said yep. and have McLeod turn inside. Yep. That's fine. But then I think, I think, and exactly. I've had conversations with NFL coaches yep. about how you play quarters. Then I think you have to have your outside corner play with what would be viewed as more man technique. Right. You can't give up the post because you're not going to get any help over the top at that right. point. Yep. It's very... It's, so quarters again, there's tough. no blame being played. We're just discussing quarters coverage. Yes, and they've looked. They and Minnesota mm-hmm. called up a great play. They saw right. playing quarters in the first two drives. They called up a play to beat quarters, and they beat quarters. I mean, right. That's that's, that's, so, that's football. I mean, that's right. coaching. Uh, it was it was well executed. It sure was. Um, interesting. All right. Well, that's that's. Uh, I was glad we don't really we usually well, don't get in that, that deep into a no, play but that, on the that, show. Yeah. again because hopefully you're able to follow at home because we spent in the office as I said watching the play thirty times. Yeah. You know when I got to that play I called. Because in our matchup room, we have former coaches, yeah. you know, who work on the matchup show with me. You know, I called all these guys in and it's, okay, let's talk about this. And we went through it over and over and over at times thinking maybe it wasn't quarters. And then we were trying to figure out what it might have been other than quarters. I think we did come to the conclusion that it was. But again, without knowing how it's taught, you know, we don't know exactly what was supposed to happen. Sure. Although 
there's no quarters coverage that says just let a guy run to the post free. Right. So yeah. something was not right. And it's very, it is very common to see uh, a lot of big plays around the NFL get given up at quarter quarters. Is a, it's a tough coverage it's play a because tough of coverage. all the all the rules right. that go along with yep. it. But uh, as we mentioned, it's very common around the league because when if you are a one gap team, which a lot of most and you're teams trying to defend teams, the run, it's, it's, that's why it's so prevalent against you know these teams that come from the the Mike Shanahan tree. And by of, the way, there's more teams playing with a fullback now in the NFL. Yeah, because I mean that's it's we're starting to get back to the cyclic part yeah, you're of, right. uh, you're of right. football. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit more base personnel yeah. uh, as teams go smaller on defense. We get bigger on offense yeah. and around and around we go. Uh, Stefan Diggs, seven for 167 uh, and three touchdowns on the day. And some uh, drops. And some drops. That's a good, very good point. Yeah, a couple, a couple yeah. of tough ones along the sideline. Um, all right, let's talk uh, about the run game because you know the Eagles, you come into this game, we know, we, know, we talked about it. Minnesota, the Eagles can stop the run. run. Game. They held Dalvin Cook to 2.6 yards yeah, they, carry. His long of 14 came with 10 men on the yeah, field. Yeah, I, I don't – right. I, I noticed that. You know, it's funny. And this gets to another larger point. The Eagles can stop the run. No question. So now you get into the larger issue. What is the NFL game about now? Yeah. And again, there's no hard and fast rule here. Right. You know, it's this is not a mathematical equation. But I think a lot of people would say, particularly newer breed, maybe, maybe yes. the, the – the older coaches who've been in the NFL for a long time wouldn't say this, but I think there's a sense now that the game is about creating explosive plays on offense and stopping explosive plays on defense. Yep. If you're just giving sort of the cliff notes version of where the game is. Yep. And stopping the run game is nice, but if you can't stop explosive plays in the pass game, you're going to have a tough time. And pass rush is nice too. But I think a lot of teams can work around that now with the kinds of plays that they call offensively. Yeah. And I think that you know. Minnesota did. I mean, we saw all the right. stuff we talked about. Screens, they hit a few really good screens. Draw plays, especially second half, they had a really a couple of really nice draws, Minnesota. Uh, boot action. We, right. saw, we saw a lot of the, the things we talked about. Pass rush becomes really important, obviously, when it's, let's say, third and long. Yep. You know, so then it depends on how many third and longs you can get your opponent in. And obviously, we know in this game, the Eagles didn't get Minnesota into... Uh, were they in any third and longs? Maybe one. I don't know. I know they finished two for 10 on third down. Right. I don't know how but I don't, third yeah. longs Maybe there were, were yeah. more than I'm saying. But the point is, is if you're going to give up big plays in the pass game and it's not on third down, then play calling can take care of pass rush. Then it becomes coverage in the secondary. And I don't think we're saying anything unfair by suggesting that that's an area that the Eagles have struggled this year. Yeah, I mean, that's, look, the the big plays, um, it kind of goes again. I think that if you talk with uh, and you listen to Jim Schwartz talk at press conferences, I mean, he he does not want to give up the big play. No that, one they, does. Well, no, they, well, of course, no one does. No but one that, does. That, the, the, in theory, uh, the defense, if, you, if you're playing cover three, and that's and the Eagles play a ton of cover three, yeah. that's to take away the big play. Right. Um, you know, and because in cover three, your corners rarely are impressed. They can be, it can be at yeah, times, right. like sometimes to the boundary, your corner will be impressed. Yep. Um, but I mean, look, we understand what this defense is theoretically built on. It's theoretically built on four man pass rush pressure and seven men in coverage yep. and seven men in coverage, particularly when you're playing a zone concept is designed to prevent the big play, Fran. It's yep. a numbers game. Yep. You're, you're playing with seven in coverage. Yep. There's only five eligible receivers. Right. So seven in zone coverage is meant to take away the big plays in the pass game. Yeah. Well, the, look, uh, Jalen Mills uh, looks like he could potentially come. Right. Or he is. Uh, Doug Peterson talked about it at his press, press conference today. He's going to come back to practice this week. We don't know if he's right. going to be able to play Sunday against Dallas, but uh, up in the air, Ronald Darby coming off the injury, coming back 
back to practice this week. So we'll see. You know, we talked about the possibility of Deshaun Jackson. Uh, the Eagles may be able to get some reinforcements uh, in the secondary this week, which would be big. I mean, having those guys back, yep. um, you know, I think it would be really, really I big mean, for this That's the defense. area they need to improve yeah. significantly. Uh, I might be breaking news to you uh, about the, the cut. Yeah. You're not. Oh, there you go. You're, would you uh, check Twitter before you walked in the building? No, I just it was a it was a brain meld. Oh, know? well, the Eagles did uh, release, they Zach Zach Brown. Brown. Yeah, they released Zach Brown because Cruz Hill's now healthy, yeah. and he essentially th- th- we we really liked what we saw from him at the end of last year. So did the Eagles. And he had a great Greg. He looked great in camp before yeah, the end. Yeah, and he'll fill that spot. Yeah, so they feel really good about him playing that role. I'll tell you what, too. Um, T.J. Edwards played ten snaps on the back end of the game. I don't know how if you got into like the fourth quarter and so. I did I, not see the final yeah, ten snaps of the game. Think, I'll tell you what. Uh, he looked. And again, garbage time. T.J. Right. Edwards looked pretty yeah. good. I, 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 well, I always and like no Edwards. question, but I mean, I think that Zach Brown cuts a function of, of Gruget Hill. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Anything else uh, you feel like you want to hit on? I here think we before? need to move ahead because I think Sunday night's a pretty important game. It is a pretty big one uh, for first place in the NFC East. And I've got uh, a lot of things I want to hit on you here with oh, Dallas boy. Cowboys, Greg. So, um, Kind of a new look offensively there in Dallas, you know, with, with Kellen Moore, and they're doing a little bit different. You know, they start 3-0, and and everybody's saying, oh, Kellen Moore, he's going to be a head coach next year. They're, they're go-. And then they go 0-3, and, and now the, the world's burning down in big D. Well, so now maybe he'll only be the offensive coordinator on Robert Sala's staff. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I want I to run some things by him. Who, by the way, I like a lot, but oh, that's of not course. the point. I mean, yeah. our, that defense is playing yeah. lights out. Um so I, I asked Ben Fennell, it was like late in the afternoon today, I turned to Ben, and Ben does a great job with everything right. that we do for the podcast and for everything we do from a content standpoint, X and O's wise. But I said, look, I said, the Cowboys start one and three. They they finished three, uh, oh and three in, the, uh, in the, uh, the last three weeks. So let me ask you, what's the difference? Go through the stats. Let me look oh. what, are, what are the big things here. Because I want to see what the trends are. Because I think you follow, you know, I follow a good amount of Dallas people on Twitter, and the, you know, and you get the, oh well, Jason Garrett, he's got his mitts back on the offense. It's more him now than it was Kellen Moore. It was Kellen well, Moore. Well, we don't know. We don't know any of this. Well, no, of course, we don't yeah, know any know of this any at all. This. So I start. So he pulled some interesting numbers. Uh, the red zone, they start with five touchdowns, no picks first right. with first three weeks. No touchdowns, two for nine passing in the red zone the last three. Uh, first down rushing has dropped from 4.15 yards a carry down to under three, 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, third down passing has been worse. Third down overall. So I think you kind of hit worse. on it. I mean, I mean, some of the key situations, uh, they've gone worse. Play action has dropped considerably. They had right. 39 play action passes in weeks one to three, and his numbers were crazy good. 80, over 81% right. completion, four touchdowns. 22 play action plays the last three weeks, no touchdowns, two picks. So I think overall, and again, the the big thing is like, all right, well, you know, look, you and I know this. The numbers can tell you any Anything kind of you, any, right. any story right. you want. Um, the one thing that I think is interesting is this: the first three weeks, Dak Prescott was under pressure 21 times. Last three, 56 plays where uh, Pro Football Focus said he was under pressure. Right. So I think when you look at that and you say, okay. Uh, you know, that could be a big day. And you have injuries to the offensive line, and that, that certainly have impacted that. But pressure uh, seems to have impacted this offense. And there's no question, because I think that, you know, since he got in the league, Dak Prescott has essentially played for the most part in pristine, clean pockets, for the most part, because it's a really good offensive line. Yeah. Um, and I think Dak Prescott is, is a quarterback that when he's comfortable, and you can say this about a lot of quarterbacks, obviously, but I think when he's comfortable, he throws the ball very, very well. I think when he's not as comfortable and there's people around him, I think he speeds up his delivery 
plays a little faster, and his accuracy just drops a bit. He's not scattershot. He's not one of those guys right. that throws it, you know, 10 feet up in the air above a receiver. But you're getting into the precise ball placement element of of quarterbacking. And, you know, I think that some had a concern with that when he came out of Mississippi State. And obviously playing in clean pockets, you're comfortable. I mean, I can remember him hitting Devin Smith, who was inactive this week, for a long touchdown against the Redskins, a mm. beautiful play action yep. play, really nice route concept, and, and you know, those kinds of throws. And he was – that was a deep drop and a deep throw. And I don't think there was a, a defensive lineman within seven or eight yards of him. Yep. And he's had a lot of that throughout his career, and he's been a comfortable player. And for the most part, he's been a good quarterback. Um, you know, as in anything now, it comes down to pressure. Now I think it'll be incumbent upon the Cowboys in this game as to how they choose to play offensively. Sure. Because it's still, I think, a an Ezekiel Elliott-based offense. And I don't know if they'll look at this game and say, hey, let's go back to basics, or if they'll look at this game and say, hey, the Eagles stopped the run really well. They don't defend the pass particularly well. Let's come out and be aggressive right from the start and see if we can get up 14-3 and change the whole feel of the game. They've been a big play offense this year. I mean, they're, yeah. they're tied for second right now and 20-plus uh, touchdowns with six. They've got 26 completions of 20-plus. That's oh, no. tied for third in the They've league. They've been a big play offense. Yeah. And, and Amari Cooper, and I guess, you know, we're, we're talking on Monday night. I believe Chris Mortensen said today on ESPN late or before we started recording, that he was iffy. That's, uh, that's and more pretty tight in no that question. group. So iffy is you know does not sound positive. Yeah. So even if he's in uniform, maybe he's playing ten snaps. Yeah. Right. So and I remember a few weeks ago, Sammy Watkins, you know, tried to give it a go with a hamstring injury, and he played two snaps, and he was done for the day. Yeah, was it, it was the it's a quad with uh, it's a quad. It yeah. Right. So you know, assuming he doesn't play, look, the three receivers they went with in this game obviously were Gallup, Wilson. And uh, who am I missing is the third wide receiver that they played with on uh, Sunday. Give me a second. It was, uh, I mean, Devin Smith was inactive. Cobb has been banged up. Uh, Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin, yeah, Tavon correct. Austin. So those were the three in their 11 personnel package. Yeah. So I think, real quick, schematically, because I think that's kind of the big, especially if you're right. if, the, if there's no Amari Cooper, you have to go back, all right, well, what are they doing schematically that's a little bit different than what we've seen in years past? And that's and a I, hard question, and I'm being honest with you, because I think the play action stuff, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I thought coming out this season, because I went through Dak Prescott's, a ton of his throws last yeah. year. I started week 10, which I okay. think was the first game against the Eagles last year. Got it. And watched post, everyone. So post Amari Cooper trade. Correct. Yeah. That's okay. what I started. Got it. And what struck me about their offense was how they were not very good or or that frequent with play action given their run game. Right. So my guess is when Kellen Moore came in this year, and he said, you know what? We've got a great running back. We've got a quarterback who's good with play action. We've got a good two really good wideouts. Yep. We need to be a really good play action team. Yep. And they started the year like that. Yeah. And what I think the one other thing I've noticed about them too this year is that to me, as this was especially pre Amari Cooper last year, they were a very very much an isolation route based offense. Without question. I think we're playing more conceptually this year. Yes. And I think you're seeing a little bit more two and three man route concepts. Yes. I think you're seeing more stacks and bunches uh, from that group, more shifting and, th- and being very bit, smart. So I think that they're pl- they're making things very well defined. Fine for Dak. For, yes. and the, 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 some of these plays, the one that you're breaking down this week on the Eagles game plan, I mean, is it's picture perfect. Like right. I said, that's how you want it to look. Right. They were playing very, very good offensive football. Uh, and the numbers speak for themselves. Even though that the numbers, I, you know, I read off the numbers that dropped off, this is still a team that's moving the football through the air, even when, you know, in, the, in these three losses, well, yes, they're still yes. putting up I mean, obviously, he was going to put up 
numbers versus Green Bay because he had to throw so much. But he yep. made some. Dak made some great throws in the second half, no yeah. question. And he's capable of that. And you have to be careful with that because he certainly can do that. Um, you know, and the other factor with him is he, he does have the movement ability. And they do a pretty good job with the QB run game. No and question. Moving the pocket. I mean, they do some good things. Right, there. right. But uh, like I said, I still think that it starts. Look, even this past week, obviously they got behind and had a throw and they ran a ton of plays, but, but Zeke still had 28 carries. Yep. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. Uh, two other big you talk about Amari Cooper. Uh, they were missing both starting tackles this week. Tyron Smith right. has been out the last couple of weeks. Uh, Cameron Irving, has, or I keep saying Cameron Irving, Cameron Fleming, Fleming has stepped in at left tackle. Cameron Irving's over in Kansas City. Uh, Cam Fleming, who... Uh, has struggled. Yeah, so let's put it I, mean, I think Brandon Knight at right tackle though has actually done a pretty good job. You've watched. You've watched him. I like, watched at college. Him, I, I watched watch him in college. college. Yeah, so what I even brought my notes. Yeah, give us give us the wow. notes here on, on Brandon Knight. You know, it's funny because he, he is he, he a rookie. He's a rookie from okay. Indiana. Um, you know, he's he's shorter than desired to play in the outside. Although he did play uh, right tackle. He was a three year starter at Indiana, so Got he had twenty six starts in in the Big Ten. Okay. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, I thought that he was pretty athletic, um, and I thought his, he was consistently sound in his fundamentals, which you kind of see on tape, even in the NFL, in his start and maybe a half, a little more than yeah. a half, because Collins got hurt last week. Um, I thought because of his height, he'd probably be better suited to play guard, okay. but he was a three-year starter at tackle, and that he's playing right tackle, which is where he played at Indiana, and I think he's held his own. I don't think he's been a liability at right tackle. Anchor, the anchor strength. The anchor strength. The I made a note of that. Yeah. that. That's where I thought he'd have a problem. And I thought he had some issues this past week against the Jets with his uh, with his anchor and, and speed to power rushes. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the that's what stood out to me on yeah. film watching yep. is that he's, he's struggled a little bit uh, in terms of being able to hold his own at the point of attack, uh, whether it's bull rushes or even in the run game trying to generate movement, but can get out in space. Yep. That athleticism you speak to you can, you can uh, do definitely that. shows up. All right. Um, one other guy on offense I want to ask you about. You mentioned him, Michael Gallup. Uh, and he's I like turned into Gallup. a better player than I thought he would be coming out of Colorado State. Yeah, and I think I liked him more than you did. I went back and looked at my notes. I didn't bring my notes on him because we've talked about him before. But yeah. I remember making a note when I finished watching his tape that I thought he had the potential to be a 1 or a 1A wide receiver in this league. Yep. And I think that's turning out right now. Yeah. You know, and I think that he's... Uh, he can get on top of corners. He's not a burner in a strict sense, but he can get on top of corners. And I think he's really good on in-breaking routes. He works the middle of the field well. He's a big body. I think he's a really solid NFL wide receiver. Yeah, it's... Uh Look, if this offense is is firing all cylinders, and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous group. Not having Amari Cooper would be big. Uh, not having either of those tackles would be right. big. So we'll see how much health uh, kind of plays in You know, in this game. what's interesting, too, and and... I don't know, maybe this is a controversial point of view. Obviously, Jason Witten's back. Yeah. And I know they got off to the great start in the first three games, but in some ways, I think Witten being back has also had a little bit of a negative impact because I don't know your feeling, but I like Blake Jarwin, and I think he's pretty athletic. He made He's made some nice plays down the seam. Yes, and I think they lose that with Witten. Now, they're they still lining him up as the boundary exit times, were, you know, and, yes. and again— we can debate that. They obviously yeah. feel he can do that. They tried to hit him on some vertical shots this week. He was pretty well covered. Yep. One by Blake Cashman. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just 
going by what I see on tape, Fran. Sure. You know, I think that Blake Jarwin gave them some verticality from the tight end position. And, you know, I guess it's hard to, to sit Jason Witten down because he's yep. Jason Witten. Right. But somewhere along the line, I think they might lose a little something. Yeah. And you mentioned, too, the run game. I think that going up against a, a tough Jets front that we saw last week, they struggled to run the ball. I think they struggled to get things going consistently right. in this game. And that was part of the but reason. But one they got thing I thought, and you probably thought the same thing before we just move on to their defense yes. real quick, is the Jets and the Eagles don't play alike at all on defense. No. And no, I think don't. you have to be careful about making a direct comparison. The yep, Jets are fair. incredibly multiple with their fronts, a lot of pressures, both run and blitz, pass yep. blitz, yep. and the Eagles don't play that way. Right. Greg Williams is is a lunatic in a good way for if, as a defensive coach, and, and the Eagles don't quite play that way. So it's a different animal this week. Sure. All right, well, let's go over to the Dallas defense, and I, I want to ask you this question to start things off. What do you feel is the strength, the, the biggest challenge for the Eagles going into this game. What's the strength of that Cowboys defense? Well, I would have said prior to this year, you know, or, or in the early part of the year, that I thought they had a really good defensive front. Mm. But it hasn't been as good from a pass rush perspective. Um, I think their linebacking core is really good. Uh, it's probably been a little up and down this year, but I think if they're playing well, they're really good. Yep. Although what really struck me this week and a little bit the week before is a lot of rotation there, uh, which... They are playing a very strange rotation. Yes. yes. You know, which, uh, you know, again, uh, w neither you nor I can figure out the reason for it other than the fact that... Um, so, here's my best... Sean Lee's playing right. a lot of, of in nickel. Uh, yeah. he, Thomas is playing a ton of nickel. He's playing... So, it looks like what they do is uh, Joe Thomas, former Green Bay yeah. Packer... Uh, comes on definitely sub package player. Uh, that's all he um, is, really. When they come in their three three five or their three two six, so they're in. The, we'll say uh, right. a, a lighter nickel right. or with their dime. Right. He seems to be a backer that will that will then come on and play. Correct. Jalen Smith likes to go up. They like to put him up on the line. No, of that scrimmage. which is something I think is a little new this year. Yes, exactly. You know, because here's what a lot of teams now do in the league, and 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 the um, Cowboys are now doing it. They line up three defensive linemen to one side of the center. Yeah, tilted front. Yeah, tilted heavy front. front. Yep. Okay. They put a linebacker as a stand-up three technique opposite the tilted front. Yep. And a wide nine. Yeah. And every, I mean, I, I don't want to say every team, but I can't tell you watching tape how many teams now do that. Yep. And that linebacker now, who's basically a stand-up three technique on the ball, he'll rush, he'll be part of stunts. Because when you line up three defensive linemen in the tilted front to one side of the center, I'd say over 90% of the time you're getting some form of a stunt. Yes, and they, they are very active with their stunts yes. and twists yes. up front when they line up. Even if they don't put a uh, linebacker on the, uh, you know, into the B gap on the opposite of the tilted right, front, right. if it's just three on one side and one wide nine defensive end and those are the only four right. guys, you can expect some kind of crap. Right. Sometimes, like some really long, wide stunts. The long where, sticks, as we oh, like to man. say. They, they, so they have some. Well, long if you do it with Smith, stunts. I mean, you're dealing with a guy that's got some speed. Yes, uh, and he got a sack uh, against yeah. the Saints uh, off a play that was just like that. I remember it very well. well good, because you're breaking it down. Eagles game. Plan oh, okay. <laughs> well, we just did it. I'm done. <laughs> um, I think when you look at this front, though, I mean, look, I know the production against the Eagles has not been good, right? And the production this year hasn't necessarily it hasn't been great. Been great. Demarcus but Lawrence it, is a very good pass rusher. Yeah, overall. and Robert Quinn can still bend that edge, and you know he. So like he's that's very probably, physically gifted. I mean, like well, yeah, I would say he's not a guy with a wide variety of moves. No, right, exactly. He, but he's there's two things he can do really well. He can bend the edge yep. and beat you off the edge. He wins with his feet very well, and 
he's really good as a looper in stunts. Right. He Those wasn't. are the two things he does really, really well. Yeah, I think to me, like if we're why when we watch college pass rushers and they say, "Oh, you know, this guy, he can, he's Which a one raises, trick guy. He can, he can run, he can run the hoop." He's like the guy you point to and say, "Yeah, see, like this works in the NFL." And again, you may know this better than I, and I don't know. Maybe it's not known yet, but Jason Peters, right? And I, because I Andre Dillard, yes. look, you and I both love Andre Dillard. There's no question when you watch him, you see the really good feet, but it's also a rookie. Yeah, and I think was what were your takeaways watching him? Because look, obviously a tough matchup against Everson Griffin, who's playing right. really, really well for Minnesota. Right. Watching him, uh, he and had I, some really good reps. He had the biggest thing that I thought watching him with, uh, against Griffin. There were some times where, and actually he did get matched up on Danelle Hunter as well. At sometimes they moved him over and they brought Weatherly in, but right. Uh, the anchor strength, mainly when he got, he got caught playing with a tight base a couple of times yeah. where his feet were close together. Both against Griffin, and he gave up the sack to uh, Hunter yeah. where he played with a tight base. And No, he struggles at this point in his career, which is to be expected yes. because you're not it's seeing a, a lot of this lineman. at yeah. Washington State right. in the Pac-12. You're not seeing a whole lot of speed to power by really good pass rushers. Right, yep. So this is something that you can practice, and, and the Eagles offensive line coach is as good as there is in the NFL – and you can practice that all day long. Yep. But until you face it in a game with someone playing at the level of Everson Griffin, who's actually playing at a really high level this year, and and uh, Danell Hunter, you know, it's just not the same thing. Sure. No, it's uh, uh to me, I, uh, watching it, I said, you know what? Like he, I, I was pretty impressed. Why I should have put something out in my article right. this week on, on no, no, on Dillard. you see the smooth yep. footwork, the athleticism. But again, now he'll face Robert Quinn, assuming he plays. And it'll be a little different animal. Uh, the one play that stands out was there was a swim move or a spin move, sorry, from Everson Griffin, who's one. Of, he's one of the best spin moves he, in, right. in the NFL. Oh, terrific! He unlocked his hips and played inside. Right. Perfect. I mean, it was really. Well, really no, well no. Done. His his yes. he's got movement ability, yep, no which question. is why you drafted him. Um, just other guy. We're just going to throw out some names from this Dallas defensive front. Anything that stands out, let me know. Well, I like Malik Collins a lot. Yeah, he, you've always liked Malik Collins coming out of Nebraska. Yeah, I did. Him. Uh, I think Tyrone he... Crawford, uh, Kerry Hyder playing up and down the line for them. The yeah. Detroit Lion. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong is showing up. He's getting some good sheet. snaps, yeah, by the is. way. Uh, Tristan Hill, the Kansas, rookie right? From Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance Armstrong yeah. from Kansas two years ago. Tristan hey, Hill, the rookie. Dorrance Armstrong third was round a guy pick. that I always liked. You know, I thought his production didn't match his athleticism in college, but I thought he was a he was a good prospect because he had a skill set that He's I thought player. was was translatable to the league. Sure, yeah. Um, Tyron Crawford's still there as well. Yeah, a guy that plays up and down the line as well. So uh, it's a good group. They rotate players yep. in and out. Rod Marinelli, the, he he likes his guys to play a certain way, and, and they uh, they get after it. It's a it's a a talented group that comes at you in a lot of different ways. And one area, you know, but one great. area again that the Eagles will look at in this game is to attack Van Der Esch, the linebacker, in coverage because he predominantly matches up to the back. I mean, that's and that's yeah. an area they'll look to attack. Yeah, it'll be uh, they, that's certainly something. To look at this. they've done it each of the last five weeks. There's no reason to think they won't try it again uh, this week. Let's talk about that secondary. Um, and it could be banged up. Could be I mean, up. Anthony Brown, their slot corner left with a hamstring. Yep. Byron Jones, their best corner, left with a hamstring. Yep. We don't know the severity, but hamstrings are normally not a two- or three-day issue. No. If both those guys can't go, and again, we're, we're speaking on Monday night, sure. that presents a lot of problems because you have to remember what happened week 14 last year, Fran. Week 14 last year, they played a ton of dime, and they matched mm. Jones on Ertz on third down. Right, yep. And that was the big matchup early in his career when Jones was a safety. Right. So if Jones can't go, or even if Brown can't go, you know, Jeff, I guess Jeff Heath. Uh, 
Well, no, I mean, they could go with Goodwin, who played this week, right. who's been in the league for a number of years, started with Atlanta. He's a tall, long corner. Um, you know, could he conceivably match up to Ertz and they can go, you know, who knows? You know, yeah. because you start, you lose two corners, you start to get into a little bit of an issue. So, so Darian Thompson, a former third round pick of the Giants, has been playing a little bit on defense. It seems like he's kind of been rotated in there a little bit. Yeah, but he's uh, a safety. Right, I'm just talking in yeah, terms of yeah. uh, in terms of being a tight end matchup. Oh, kind of oh, player. oh, yeah. Uh, if there was a player that they would, I noticed they they had a few more snaps in the last couple of weeks with Woods matching up to the tight end as well. And I like Woods. We're going to talk about him later in the show. Yeah, uh, but he's a smaller body. Yeah, but he's a better athlete than Heath. No, I mean no, no question. Yeah, I mean that's uh, just yes. No, know, that's saying uh, what the uh, film no, shows. Right, exactly. Right, <laughs> uh, Xavier Woods is a good player. Yeah. Um, Shadobia Wuzie starting at left corner for them. Most of his reps on the left side. Jordan Lewis starting to get. Uh, he's well, the he guy played this play. week when Brown came out, yep. and he was their dime player before they he became their nickel player. Right. It'll be interesting how, depending on how the injury situation plays out this week, how the Eagles try and attack some of these matchups. Because um, you know, they say, hey, if they don't, if they want to play more in base. Do we try and go lighter and say, all right, we're going to try and make you play in sub? It's going to be interesting to see how they decide to play that. Yeah, or if they're down corners, do the Eagles say this week, let's play with 11 personnel? That's what I mean. Yeah, we're going to play light. Uh, yeah, you know, and let's, let's, make, let's make you go deep into your corner group and play with guys you ideally don't want to play with. Right. Um, not a heavy blitz team. We talked about the stunts and twists. I'm just kind of going through my right. notes. Right. That's, that's the way they, they normally generate their pressure. Uh, Coverage-wise, what do you what do you typically see from them? I think they play a lot more man than people probably Much think. Much more than, than and I think that's a facts. function of Chris Richard, right? Who's kind of taken over the defense, right? Sure. So they play an aggressive man defense. Uh, so I went, I looked back last to last year, twelve. We talked about the matchup to tight ends uh, last year. Um, or sorry, this year, they've matched up primarily to 12 personnel with base, except for uh, the blowout win against Miami where they went with nickel. In games against us last year, they saw 41 reps of 12 personnel with Ertz and Goddard. 61, okay, 61% of the snaps were in base. So we'll see how they decide to... to well, uh, like I said, I know on third down week. last year in, in the Week 14 game, they played dime and they matched Jones on Ertz. Mm. Yeah, which makes. And by the way, if they had all their people, that would make that sense. Would make, yes, because right. I don't think there's anyone on the perimeter, and I'm just being honest based on film study. Sure. That they would feel that oh my god, that guy's a really difficult matchup for yeah. us. And we remember what God, what Dallas Goddard did against this team last year in that game down there. Right. Uh, he had the big game. That could have had that long touchdown that got taken off the board to the questionable penalty, uh, and had another touchdown in the mm -hmm. game as well. It's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, a big one. Very important it's, it's one. It's kind of an important game. Important game in October uh, here yeah. down, in, down in Jerry World. But well, Greg, it's an important game because the Eagle, it's the second of three road games, and people can look ahead. to. No one's looking ahead, but you can say that Buffalo is next, and the immediate thought of Buffalo is, oh, they're a bad team, but they're not a bad they're team. They're not a bad team. They're playing really good defense right, <laughs> right. Now. So, I mean, you know, too. it's not a case of, oh, if we lose this one, we just go beat Buffalo. You can't think like that. No. This—, this it's too early for the you know the dreaded must win, but this is an important game. By the way, they're saying that right now in Dallas. Dallas does not want to lose four straight either. No, no, no. They don't, they don't want that. So, uh, Greg, we'll be here next week at this time. I'll be probably a little bit tired. Uh, you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a long night Sunday night. But uh, hoping for an Eagles win. We'll yeah. break it down here next week on the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. 
Great stuff from Greg. And you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way, the number one way, is go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. You can leave us a question. I wanted to get to a couple of people that left ratings and left questions. Just give them a quick shout-out. Zakenzi left a five-star review saying how much they appreciate the analysis on the show each and every week. And then Vivek triple zero left a five-star review and appreciated that it's not just a sports guy stick uh, on the show. We offer good analysis. Really appreciate uh, both of you for leaving those five-star reviews and the comments. And again, if you want a, a question answered here on the show, if you want a big picture question uh, about the game or something specific to the Eagles when it comes to a certain matchup or where they've done so far this season, make sure you just go leave that question on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever you listen. We will get to it here on the show. All right, let's get to the next phase here. Let's get into my scouting report on Louisiana former Louisiana Tech safety Xavier Woods now the starter for the Dallas Cowboys dim those lights we're headed to the film room for the scouting report all right, so Xavier Woods, he came out in 2017. So we're talking now, he's been in the league for about three years. And this is a player that I really liked coming out of Louisiana Tech. And we're going to get into my notes now. I see he was a four-year starter, started 49 games at Conference USA, three-time first-team all-conference down there uh, for La Tech. Lined up at both safety spots, depending on the team. He lined up at left safety or right safety, was used interchangeably, lined up all over the field, spent time down in the slot in their sub package. So you like the position versatility. Uh, and a uh, but overall, an undersized safety. So kind of a spark plug player, liked the versatility, had a slight frame with short arms. So you worried about the size a little bit from uh, from that standpoint. But a lot of positives. And this kid was a smooth athlete, moves really well, still does. A good athlete for the safety spot, explosive enough to cover a lot of ground in the middle of the field. And he is basically their free safety. Spends a lot of time in the post there for the Cowboys defense. Very light on his feet, looked the part and moving in reverse. Is able to drive on throws in front of him with ease and displayed quality reaction quickness. Had a feel for playing in man coverage. I thought his instincts there were pretty good. Showed the ability to mirror and match and, and follow a stay in a, a receiver's hip pocket uh, at the top of routes. I was really impressed with his ability to jump throws in man coverage and just always be where he needed to be. Despite his size, I thought he looked comfortable and confident playing near the line of scrimmage in the run game. He did a good job working through traffic and finding his way to the football. He would be able to come to balance from distance and finish a tackle one-on-one in the alley. He was really consistent uh, in taking good angles to the football. Really good tackler. Very technically sound. Despite his size, he had the athleticism to just go in and consistently finish, get his man to the ground when he was one-on-one with them out in space. Aggressive blitzer as well. He hit it with good timing, good speed, uh, showed the ability to make plays both inside and from the slot uh, as a blitzer. So really good versatility there as well. And a high motor kid was always playing 100 miles an hour. You could tell he was one of the emotional leaders of that team just with his play personality was really, really endearing. Now from a negative standpoint, I mentioned the size. I thought that that could potentially be an issue for him. I wanted to see him get a little bit bigger, a little bit 
stronger? How much weight could he put on and still maintain that athleticism? That was a question I had. And he didn't always look as fast as he timed. He timed very well uh, at, at his workouts in the pre-draft process. I didn't think he quite, didn't always test quite to that speed. Um, but this was a guy that uh, overall, you know, was typically where he needed to be. He did get fooled at times uh, by quarterback's eyes, but this guy was really reliable playing on the back end. And I wrote as just my final summary, I think he's an NFL starter. And other than his lack of size and elite play speed, he does not have many major flaws of prospect, whether it's as a box player or as a space player. I think he translates really well to the league. He's got a high floor to be a do-everything backup and a core special teams ace. I, I really, really liked his floor there, but I think that he could be an NFL starter, uh, fits best as a sub-package safety early on as a rookie, and then as a starter by year two. He happened to find uh, follow that exact path with the Cowboys. was a backup early in his career. They had Byron Jones there at free safety. Once he kind of established himself by year two, Jones was able to move over to corner. He stepped in at free safety next to Jeff Heath, and he has not looked back. He's battled some injuries so far this year, but uh, this kid has turned into a really nice player for them, very reliable player on the back end. When they play single high, more often than not, he will be the post player, so a guy that's going to be playing as the center field guy deep down the middle. Uh, Keep an eye out for Xavier Woods in this matchup. All right. Huge game this week. Cannot wait to break it down next week here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Again, the best way to support the show. If you enjoyed, if you liked what you heard today uh, here on the program, just go. If you're not already, make sure you go subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. And if you can, uh, give us a little support. Just go leave us a rating, leave us a comment wherever podcasts can be found. All right, we will see you next week here on the on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.